Welcome to Time to Write. I'm Emily Robertson. And I'm Amy Kelly. We are professional writers and critique partners. We've worked in traditional and independent publishing, podcasting, and social media marketing. Including my novel, Lifestyles of Gods and Monsters, published by a Big Five publisher. My long-running podcast, In the Middle of It. And Accomplished Authors, my business helping authors create an inspiring online presence. We are here to share our creative journeys and encourage you on yours. From the writing process to promoting your work and all of the messy in between, we're here to remind you that your story matters and it's worth sharing with the world. Okay, it's It's time time to to write. write. Welcome back to Time to Write. I am Amy Kelly. I'm Emily Robertson. And we are so glad that you guys are hanging out with us today. And we are talking about shooting yourself. So basically, that's our word for um, for shaming ourselves. So that really critical inner voice that you might have as you are working in this writing life. So right. Em, why don't you jump in and let's, let's get us started? Because I know so this is something... First- so this is going to be a two-parter. So our second part, which will show up later, will be about your marketing, your author marketing, but this is actually going to be like your actual writing. And so one of the things that I, I love writing tips. I love writing podcasts. I love books about writing. But one of the things that I have noticed for myself is I have a real tendency to jump right to what basically some version of what's wrong with me. Like, Something like write every day, which really works well for some people historically has not worked well for me at all, but I'll end up spending a bunch of time instead of figuring out my own process, being super annoyed that like write every day doesn't seem to work for me. And so we were thinking it's possible that some of you might be in this same boat. Right. And I think the the biggest thing for me, I think is... It is really hard to know. Well, you don't know what you don't know in the beginning, right? So you're trying on all these different things, but we've got to be really careful to not take what somebody else has described as their writing process and prescribe prescribing it to ourselves. So just using it for inspiration, using it for, oh, that sounds like a really good idea, practicing it, and then tossing it or incorporating it like it may or may not work for you. And so I think for me, especially in the beginning, and and I feel like I'm still I'm just getting now getting to the point where I'm like, oh, like, this is part of my process. And I can embrace that. And I'll talk about that more in a second. But I think really not beating myself up because I'm not I can't do it this way or that way or my it doesn't look like this for me, like it's, it's about just really for me, embracing the fact, like sometimes what my writing process looks like is, um, doing, (laughs) doing my highlights, um, hidden pictures, right. Cause my brain is working as I'm like, find like, it's, it's just that downtime where I I call it percolating. Like my brain is just Mm -hmm. like bubbling behind the scenes. And I know that taking that time helps me when I later put my butt in the chair to actually, to actually pound words out. Right. And so I guess what we would really love to have everybody start thinking about as a different mindset is how to use other people's processes as a way to inspire you 
instead of a stick to beat yourself with. Like, because here's the thing about some people's processes is that many people, especially professional writers, especially people always use the example of Stephen King's on writing. I have read it. It is a good book. The thing about Stephen King's on writing is he is very certain about a bunch of things. But then when you read <laughs> other people, like he does an outline. Stephen King does an outline. He doesn't know the ends of his books when he starts his books. There are lots of people who know every detail of their books and their books. It can be especially hard when there's a writer who's writing you admire. It might be you think I admire this writer's writing. So I want to be able to write in the same way. And that just, you know, if you, especially when it just to repeat what I was saying earlier, when you're coming back to something like, why am I not like this? That's a good, what we would really encourage is anytime that happens to take a second and be like, why am I so wedded to it being this way? Like, why am I so resistant? This is yeah. the way it should be and not whatever my own process is. And we're, we have a great example of this with Amy and I are both going to talk about NaNoWriMo, which starts pretty soon, um, which we had sort of different experiences with. So Amy, you want to tell them? Oh, about sure. Nano? Yeah. So when I did, and it's been several years, but when I did NaNoWriMo, I think the thing about it is um, at that point in time, both of my kids were still living at home. And so I could not say, okay, every day for NaNoWriMo, I am going to sit down at 10 a.m. and I am going to write from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And that's not how it worked. I had to fit it in. And so I was writing at all hours of the day and night. And what I discovered was I do not write as well in the morning as I do in the evening. Like it would literally take me like two times the amount of time in the morning to get, a, you know, the same number of words that I was like cranking out and not cranking. That's probably not the best word, but just, I would be, I could get into my flow state right. in the evening and I could not in the, you know, anytime before noon. And so right. really embracing that and trying to figure out, okay, like I know now obviously I can't write in the evenings always, but I just know that that's my best scenario. Right. right. And then you can start, and this is something, this isn't part of this episode except it kind of is because what we're talking about is shame the more that you can sort of go towards so your creative self is like it is a dancing child being I mean there's a reason the ancients chose like a muse like your creative self is like a cat or something <laughs> like you cannot just come at it and be like sit it's like telling a cat to sit it's not gonna work so the more that you can be like, oh, my creative self loves writing in the evening. And mm -hmm. so mine does not, but Amy's does. And so she can say like, oh, creative self, look, we're going to set in the evening at this spot. My creative self loves a coffee shop, loves it. So for example, for me, for NaNoWriMo, I've had really mixed success. I had one time where I wrote a book really fast during NaNo and it was great. And I've had several other times where it's turned into a very disappointing experience where I didn't finish and I ran stopped tallying the words and I started to feel like crap and so but if I look at what the difference is the difference is the time it's actually exactly the opposite of what Amy is saying what I found is the time when I just absolutely was like cruising for nano was a time when 
I would drop my kids at school and I would go to the coffee shop and I would write from eight to nine 30. Like, cause you, I could still do all the other stuff in my day. And I would just go from eight to nine 30 to the coffee shop and sit there and write. And I had great, and it was sort of the same coffee shop. I didn't even move it around that much. And that was very successful. And so when I went to do nano later, I think I'm, I took the wrong lesson from nano. I was like, oh, I love NaNoWriMo. And then it turned out to sort of be another, you know, crash and burn, but no, no, I love going to the coffee shop at eight, eight to nine 30. And then I can go do the rest of my day. Like, right. Right. And here's where I say for me, I've battled shame in the past, which is why can I not just get up early every morning and go and sit at 8 a.m. and write at the coffee shop? That would be so much better for my schedule and for my commitments and blah, blah, blah. Instead of no, like, so then I'm not writing and I've got shame on top of it. So it it was kind of paralyzing, yeah. right? And so well, just- Because of course the thing for me is, and this is the thing where it's just so, it's that whole thing that we keep saying again and again and again and again, different people are different. For me, being at the coffee shop at 5.30 at night is actually very stressful. Well, my coffee shop is closing. It's it's turns into a bar. Like, and like I, I find that that time of the day is the most. Like, I find the evenings more stressful than the morning. So, it's just different people really being different. So, understanding that when I'm at the coffee shop at eight, like I've had friends who said this, who are like, "Oh my gosh, you're so disciplined." The thing about discipline when you're really doing it. It's generally, it's because you're doing something that you think is fun. <laughs> right, right. So everybody's like, how do you make yourself do that? And you're like, uh, you mean I, I mean, serious. Like the trick is that seriously, you get to do it, not get to do it. You get, it's yeah, a get, yeah, but not, not make yourself. People are like, I get to put gas in my car. I should be grateful, which is fine. Gratitude. Great. But like literally going to the coffee shop at eight o'clock in the morning to write, my body is like, yeah. yeah. I got my window table. I got the light. I got a fancy coffee. I can go to yoga or go to the grocery store or do whatever else. Like I like that. And I, and so I think that like, what's really hard for us all to understand, especially if you were brought up in shamey cultures, it's like exercising people that exercise all the time. They like it. Mm -hmm. or they at least like how they feel like immediately after right yes they might not like you know yeah most people who eat vegetables have figured out a vegetable preparation that they like there's a very small number of people who sit there and force themselves to eat broccoli when they hate it that's a tiny most people have figured out a way to do something in a way that they like so right But the other thing that Amy and I both wrestle with that I totally wrestle with and is what got me on the NaNoWriMo when I wasn't at the coffee shop is I have a huge part of me that's like, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) I don't know if it's like a firstborn thing, but it's it's that piece in me. Like when somebody says, this is exactly, you know, you have to eat 15 servings of vegetables a day. I'm like, eight glasses of water. No, no, I don't. don't. In fact, if you tell me to do it, even if I wanted to do it before you told me to do it, I'm probably not going to do it because you told me to, (laughs) which is a really hard um, mindset, 
or our personality traits, like you have to work with it. You <laughs> so, have to work with it. Yeah. But it's the it. same. Okay. Somebody told me this when my kids were little. And I feel like it is one of those things that when someone told me, I was like, okay, this is a gift. I need to remember this. This is a gift. They said, you, because I had a very stubborn child. And they're like, stubborn is tenacity. They're like, whatever yeah. is the thing that is driving you the craziest about this child will be this child's greatest gift. Yeah, their strength. So that uh, is also what gets us writing in the first place. Yes, for so, sure. For sure. But it is the whole thing of like, not just we, I have to really watch not throwing the baby out with the bathwater because sometimes, and this is again, Amy and I talk about this all the time, but I just really cannot express it enough. How does it feel in your body? Because there's yes. two amounts of resistance. There's the, it's like when people give your critique comments, there's two, like I have found if I am like, absolutely not. No, I will not consider that something to take a look at so if somebody says right every day and you were like no take a minute and a deep breath and calm down and you can kind of ask yourself is the is the problem with right every day that like really you have looked at it and you've figured out and it just really doesn't work for your brain or like amy's thing where you're like you get way, some people get way more done if they save all their writing up time up and write for six hours on a Saturday. Some people that is like way more successful for them. That is one version of that. The other version of that is there's something else going on and you can sit with it and sort of ask like, Hey, what is going on here? Yeah. What's keeping me from I'd like to, instead of why, I like to ask, what's keeping me from? Right. Well, I can't really not want to even just try this. Right. Right. Where's, where's um, that coming from? What What's it doing? So I would say too, one of the strategies that's been helpful for me with the shaming has been um, recognizing kind of that critical inner voice. And I know, I can't remember somebody wrote, it was a book that I think we all kind of talked about maybe in critique group several years ago where um, you have that critical inner voice and I like to call it the roommate because it's you, but it's not you. It's, it's kind of, it's a part of you. And if you, if you know anything about internal family systems, which is like a whole counseling thing, you can look it up. Um, it talks about the different parts of you. So really get curious about, okay, this part that's shaming me, what is, what's her purpose? Like, what is she trying to do? Is she trying to protect me? Is she trying to like fill in the blank? Like, what is she doing? And really just being able to, with your mindset, really look at that part of you and say, thank you. I appreciate you're trying to help. Now, you know, go take a nap or, you know, once you sit over here, I'm going to be rewriting. I'm going to be trying that, you know, whatever it is that you're trying and then do your thing, but acknowledge it with gratitude, not with shame. Right. That's um, the key. Else, I think that is the inner critic, Denise Jacobs, Spanish your inner critic book, which is excellent. Also, okay. Denise Jacobs is a great social media follow because she talks about this stuff all the time. She's great. Awesome. The other thing that I have heard is some people call it your co-pilot. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's your co-pilot. It is really there to tell you all the, give you all the warnings 
but you're still a pilot. So you can look and see, because I think sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we're afraid of like doing something and having it not work, but sometimes we're afraid of doing something and having it work. So (laughs) that is, and that's all the different pieces of this people. Like everybody has this everybody has this because there's a bunch of really great stuff about this is like when you are starting the Ira Glass on um, This American Life has a talk about this. When you're starting, the distance between your skill and your taste is vast. Mm -hmm. So when you finish something, it is not going to be as good as you had hoped because the, because no one, this is the, one of the crazy, most interesting things to me. I don't want to say crazy, but interesting things to me is no one expects a painter to be able to immediately start with a paintbrush and have a masterpiece. Everybody knows you've got a few years of just, you know, figuring out the basics before you know your own style and all that stuff. But all of us, because writing things is a thing you learn to do in kindergarten and you know, those things, it is much harder to accept that like when you sit down and write a short story or you sit down and write a novel, the first effort, it no, it's, it is not going to be as good as you had hoped yet. It's just, there's. Right. But it's part of the process because you're not going to get to the place that you want to go unless you walk through that first. Right. So but embracing be that a part of your brain that is, so the, I think that, and this is a real question. I'm not saying this in a shamey question way. There are some of us where we really would rather have the, well, I, if I had really tried, I could have written something amazing. There are some of us who would really are totally fine. It's, I always think of it from, um, in Pride and Prejudice when, uh, when, um, the, the old lady's like, I never played the piano, but if I did, I would have been amazing. Like some of us, that is. That's what we love. We may love writing so much that we put it up on such a high pedestal that that is what we want. I could have written something cool, but I didn't. And that, if that is true for you, like embrace it. Okay. But if that is not true for you, if you do not want to go to your deathbed saying, well, if I'd had time, I could have written something amazing. Then... You just have to try these different things and see if they work for you and build a process. And this is not, um, this writing life, it's not some magical kingdom that only a few people get to get in. It's a craft and a skill and an art and you get better at it, but you actually have to try stuff. Yes. Yes. And unfortunately. So uh, talk to me a little bit too about how you can tell if something is part of your process or is not. I know you talk about grinding sometimes. Um, yes. A little bit more about that. So I talk about grinding versus flowing. Cause one of the things I have realized is that a part of my process is if I get stuck, if I really get stuck, if I'm writing a scene and I am really, really stuck sitting there and trying to force myself to do it a it's it's like not good for me but b it's not really good for my writing like i do a lot better to get up go on a walk go do something else 
come back to it the next day. So I think of that as grinding versus flowing. So you imagine you've got gears going, like you've got a machine and it's running, the gears are clicking together and it's going. If they, if there's a problem, if the gears try to keep going, you're breaking something. And so if you are, so what is weird and complicated about this? And Susan Dennard, who we talked about before in the Magical Cookies episode, just had a blog post about this. It is not saying that writing isn't hard. It often is hard. It is that if you're keeping track of your internal systems, there's a difference between difficult that you can manage and difficult that's going to break something. And when you're in the space of difficult that's going to break something, forcing yourself, what I have found is that forcing myself just means I don't go back to the page the next day. I don't write the next day because I, or I go back to the page the next day and I hate what I wrote the day before. And I'm, and all I can think about is how terrible it was to write it. And so then I don't want to throw it away because I'm looking at this thing that was so hot, you know, the whole thing. So I think for me, that image of grinding versus flowing is really helpful. Well, and I think when you're grinding, it's so it's easy to shame yourself, kind of like circling back to that, because you're sitting there shaming. Your, I think that's part of the grind is what? you're shaming yourself for not being able to flow when sometimes, right. again, sometimes the having to stop, you know, with the grinding, so you're not breaking something, it's part of the process. So even embracing those pieces of it where you have to stop, you have to give yourself time to think and process because when you're grinding, I think it's, I really do believe it's because there's a part of your brain that knows this isn't the direction that you need to be going in with whatever your story is. This isn't the way. And it's really working to to stop you in the moment. Right. And I think to use another metaphor, I know we're metaphoring a lot today (laughs) because we're writers is what we do. I use a knitting metaphor, which is that oftentimes I find if I get to that place. So if you're knitting and you're knitting along and you realize like, oh, this thing is looking weird. Normally you can go back a few rows and say, where did I miscount? Where did I drop a stitch? Where did I lose the thread of what I was doing? And sometimes you have to pull out the work, but if you keep going for like, if you're making someone a sweater and you've dropped like six stitches and you keep going forward because by God, you're going to keep going forward. You're not stopping. You're going to give someone a sweater. That's like. Caddy Bumpus. <laughs> like a, yeah, it doesn't fit them. It's not. And so that just ignore it. So if I can think of it more like that, for me, it's very helpful to be like, oh, this grinding is actually, it's a clue. It's a part, it is a part of my process mm-hmm. of the grinding itself. The feeling of being of like, oh, whoa, that's a part of my process. Cause that tells me, because the, the problem for all, we're not, it's not a problem. It's a good thing. It's what's supposed to happen is, and Megalophobe calls on screenwriting, like calls this the dreamer. It is all writing, all creative work is a conversation between your frontal lobe and your dreamer. And so sometimes your frontal lobe is like, this is going to be a story about a boy and a dog because that's what it thinks it is. And the dreamer's like, it's a cat. <laughs> and you're like, no, it's a dog. And the cat's like, and the dog's like, meow, meow. And you're like, what is the problem with the story? It's like, because it's a cat. 
Go right. back, make it a cat. Because the protagonist isn't the protagonist because you've picked the wrong main relationship because you've not, you're not on, this is the shamey part. When you are shaming yourself, you are not, and I'm shaming myself for doing this. So, oh, it's all cyclical, but you're not honoring your dreamer when you're not honoring your dreamer. Yes. Like that. And right so, there. but, and I know we're all, I mean, Amy and I are both Southerners and we're both Americans and we're both, but here's the thing. The dreamer is what makes art. If, if you can make art without the dreamer, then people would just be able to do it. You, you can't, this is all about being able to have a conversation between the doer and the dreamer and they're working together. So I think that's a really, this, and this would be a whole nother episode. That's AI, right? The AI, AI doesn't have a dreamer. No. They have a process. No, it's, it's pastiching. It's, it's collaging without, you know, and I love collage, but always it has to have, there's a dreamer there. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway, all right, well, we are getting close to the end of our time. So Amy, uh, okay. what is the mindset that we would love to have people carry into this? So I would say that it would be that everyone's process is different. Like everyone's is different and you can embrace yours. I can embrace mine. Yes. And, and that might mean sometimes letting go of the idea of the traditional idea of productivity, because again, sometimes your writing life and your work is going to look like you sitting and staring out of a window or doing, you know, coloring or doing a hidden pictures, right? It could be any watching a movie or watching a movie or reading or reading. Right. right. Okay. Um, so what's so practical? I, say, I think a great practical tip is if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you listen to writing podcasts and writing books and all those things. I would say, get a big piece of paper and write down all of the darn writing tips that you have rattling around in your brain. All the different things you've heard. Write every day. Don't write every day. Outline. Don't outline. You know, all those different writing tips that you have rattling around in your brain, just download them. Just write them down. And then... And then I would pick one and you might even want to start with the one that makes you feel the most resistance in your body and just try it, try it. Maybe try to give it like a week because, you know, but while you're trying it, you're releasing all concern about productivity at yes. the moment because you're just trying it. So you can't, it's like if a kid was learning to ride a bicycle, you would not shout at them for not going very far. Like that's not what one of my kids had a pitching lesson Saturday and the pitching coach said, I don't want you to think about accuracy at all because we're working on mechanics. So stop thinking about accuracy because you just need to think about mechanics. Right. So you're not thinking this is mechanics. Right. You can assess at the end of the week. Then you can assess unless it's, yes. unless it's hurting you in some way in which you can stop. Right. Right. Like if it's absolutely killing you, stop and move on to the next one. Right. Figure it out. Okay. Well, come back next week for us to talk about how shame might be getting in the way of your marketing. Yeah. All right. In the meantime, M, what is your high low? Oh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> my high low is, uh, it is uh, my high is just that it's finally decent weather here. And I don't really have a low low because it's decent weather here. So that is <laughs> I was going to say, you stole mine. Like amazing. <laughs> you stole mine. I, 
it is 70 degrees here in the Dallas area. And oh my gosh, it feels like, you know, icy winter because it's finally a break from the hundred plus temperatures. Where is my sweater? I know, right? Right. It's very exciting to just be able to get outside. Um, So that would be my high. And then, um, yeah, I don't know that I have a, a low right now either. I just think things are kind of moving along. Um, oh, I would say another high is that we've been um, ex- accepted to, invited to, I don't know the right invited word, to, yeah. invited to speak at the DFWCon conference. So if that's something that you do, we're going to be speaking on the Sunday of the conference. So um, look for us there. We'd love to in meet October, you in person early in early October. Yeah. We'd love to meet you in person. So yeah. that's exciting. That was a big high. And then again, yeah, low, just, um, I, you know what? I would say it's that I only have a couple of weeks left with my daughter here at home and then she'll be going back to school. So, um, and then what are you reading? Ooh, oh, I am reading a draft of our critique partner, our third, um, Kelly Abernathy's newest book, which I'm super excited about. It is called The Amethyst, The Shallows, and it is a companion book to her first release, which was The Aquamarine Surfboard. So I'm, she's such a lyrical, um, poetic writer. I'm super excited about her story. And I am actually reading the same thing. And the other thing, which was also true in Amethyst, is the characters are just so great. They're just such a knack for these people in this town. And if you like Louise Penny in the way that, like, her she makes Three Pines a character of the stories, Kelly's doing that with Dip It a Speech. Yeah. And I would say, too, if you like Madeline Lingle, she definitely has a lot of the same, like, um, science and spirituality and it's just beautiful it's beautiful all right well thank you guys for hanging out and we will catch you next time perfect thanks so much for being with us today we love our people and we want to get to know you better so email us at questions at time to write podcast.com to have your questions considered for the show you can also suggest topics by emailing us there Also, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will it thrill us. Seriously, we read everyone. It also helps others find the show. We're driven by sharing stories and your review helps us do that. Just remember, your stories matter and we're rooting for you to find time to write. Even if it's only five minutes. Five minutes, you can do it. You can do it.